Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. James Harden does not have another gear. He can score anyway, anytime. The only thing that can stop him are the playoffs. Jacksonville fans are saying, hey, hold my beer. The NFL has tried to say we made a mistake when we tried to silence players after Colin Kaepernick. Players want to see action. Football is not a game. It's a business. Did the Rockets show up? And you, Devin Wade, have been complaining. Every time I turn it on, Hamilton's leading by like a minute. It's no fun to watch. Belichick does that voodoo that he do. Super Bowl matchup. America's team. You're a Dallas oh, Cowboys. You. The Cowboys versus the Chiefs. You heard it here first. Kansas City Chiefs and the Seattle Seahawks. Taysom Hill. Also, there you go. Um, Taysom Hill again. How about them the- Cowboys? <laughs> we believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, and once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. You ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I am so glad that you are joining us again as we start to settle into our fall schedule. We are trying to come to you guys twice a week on Tuesdays and on Thursdays. So hold me to that and make me commit to that. I'm not always timely, but I'm always interesting, I hope. Anyway, glad you're here. If you are returning, we certainly appreciate it. We hope that you subscribe on whatever platform you listen to. And we also hope that you leave a message and or leave messages. And we hope that you share the podcast with your friends. We certainly appreciate that. I'm going to give you a rundown because we have a fun show, a lot of stuff to get to. But let me tell you how to be interactive with this program. First and foremost, you can go to the Wade's Word Productions dot com website that's wade's word productions and also you can subscribe to the email list when you're there listen to past episodes look around see what you like see what you don't like and leave a comment tell us what you think in addition to that you can call the sports line 24 hours a day at 832-941-6614 that's 832-941-6614 leave a message and you may very well be a part of the next podcast so if you have questions comments critiques criticisms about me about the team about the show about the players about anything in the world of sports feel free to leave a message 24 hours a day and we will try to get you on to the podcast also on social media at wade's word on twitter wade's word on twitter and of course the sports talk with devin wade page and group on facebook so we're caught up there I'm going to give you a rundown of what we have coming up because we have the European sports nerd, Eddie Robinson. Now, we have given him that moniker, but he's also a former NFL guy, former television guy. He has done football on television and, of course, played 11 years for the Oilers, Titans, Bills, Jaguars. Um, uh, Am I forgetting someone? I think that's it. So he 11 years in the NFL, so we'll get his take not only on the European sports stuff, but primarily the serious real reason we have him on is to talk about the NFL and week one of the NFL season. Also, we have Daniel Ewing coming up to talk about Game 7. We're a couple of hours away from Game 7 of the Western Conference semifinals. The Denver Nuggets versus the Los Angeles Clippers. 
an improbable Game 7, especially the way the Clippers have run out to big leads, only to be uh, tracked down and run down by the Nuggets. And now we're forced, we're not forced, we get to enjoy a Game 7. The Clippers were forced to play a Game 7, and the Lakers await them in the Western Conference Finals. Also, Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, we never talk about Game 1, so we... Won't get too much into that. But as for the features, we are going to hit you with some headlines. Also, we're going to hit a brand new segment, something that I call the Sunday Soundtrack. For all of my TF ears, that's the Friday Express. That's the D-Hive. The folks that listen to me on Friday, I did this one just for you guys. I incorporated some music in with the sports talk. So hopefully you will get a kick out of that brand new segment, the Sunday Soundtrack. And then we will take a time out. After we hear from our sponsor, we will also hear from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. He is on the mix. In the second half, we will hit a We the People, where we hear from you guys. And, of course, Daniel Ewing will come up in the second half. And then we have a Lamont Award. And before I let go. So, I know a lot of folks start the episodes. And I know some folks, they don't always make it to the end. But I'm telling you, the most commented, the most requested, the most uh, sort of suggested uh, segment is the Lamont Awards. So it's always going to be at the very end of the show. So the last five minutes of the show, if skip around. I always say this anyway. Skip around. See what you like. See what you don't like. Comment. Let us know. But always make it all the way to the end for Lamont Awards. So that's coming up. So with that, let's get into some... Headlines! Before I start to get into the headlines, a couple things I forgot to mention. Now, when we get with Eddie Robinson, we are doing a segment called Wifey, Side Piece, or Crazy X. If you listen for a long time, you've heard this before. But we have that coming up with Eddie. Also, I know a lot of folks tune in for, and I've gotten a lot of feedback around why we kneel. Well, we'll do those on Thursdays. Kalina's segment, Why We Kneel, will appear on Thursdays. So that's coming up. So in headlines, Game 7, Game 7. Uh, what did they say? Hey, the most the, the most exciting words in sports, Game 7. Well, I would say, um, what would I say would be the most exciting words in sports? The Super Bowl. No, that's three words. <laughs> I guess Game 7 is, yeah. If you want to go two words, game seven. I would have to think about that. That's, that's something to think about. I, I hate to go off on a tangent here, but that's just something to think about. What are the, what really are the two most? Yeah, game seven, I guess, is it. What would you call a, a heavyweight fight? I don't know. Let's get ready to rumble. That's more than two words. So that doesn't work. So, yeah, we'll go with uh, a game seven, the most exciting two words in sports. All right, we got it. Well, it's happening. A couple of hours from now, it is happening. Doc Rivers and the Clippers have a lot on the line. The Clippers have never, as an organization, advanced to a Western Conference Final. They've never been to the Conference Finals. Can you believe that? I mean, I think if you've lived long enough, it's easy to believe. That's been a horrendous organization. They've been horrible for the majority of their existence. So, yeah, it's not a surprise, but... They have an opportunity to do that tonight. I tell you what, Denver Nuggets. See, here's, here's, I, this is what I feel. I, I think the Clippers are going to win, and I only want the Nuggets to win if I know they're going to beat the Lakers. So there you have it. So if I know they'll beat the Lakers, 
which I don't know. I don't know about that matchup. But if you could tell me, so, well, look, I don't care about the, the whole title. But if you tell me, okay, the Nuggets are going to beat the Clippers and the Lakers, I'm all in for it. I want the team that can beat the Lakers. If that's Kawhi, that's fine. But it, I, the team that's going to beat the Lakers, that's the team I'm rooting for. But as it stands, I think the Clippers will win both. I was wrong with my Eastern Conference uh, representative picked the Toronto Raptors. So that happened. So also in headlines, it looks like the Big Ten is going to probably play football. We'll talk more about that Thursday if it happens. I mean, they're moving forward with this, and I don't know. Because college is not handling. Look, I don't care what the PR says. Colleges and universities are not handling this well. I mean, LSU, half the team has it. Look at all of the major programs that have had problems. So we'll get into that when that is official, if that becomes official. But it's looking it's looking like they are going to start in October. So that's happening. But the real big headline for me is, of course, week one of the NFL season. Really weird in these times of COVID. No fans in the stands for the most part. Although we're starting to see teams pull away from that, pull back from that, they allowed 500 fans to sort of test run things in Denver last night. So we'll see how that goes. Also, in Jacksonville and in Kansas City, they have allowed fans. But uh, everywhere else, no fans. It's really, really weird. But television has done a great job of crowd noise. But it makes me think about, man, how difficult it must be for some of these guys to play in complete silence. I don't think that, but unlike, uh, I guess, uh, I don't guess they're piping the crowd noise into the stadium. Maybe they are. I thought the crowd noise was just piped in by the network for the television viewer. But if that's the case, man, that is really, really tough. But imagine playing in front of 100,000 people or 80,000 or every week 70,000. And then you come out and play in front of no one. That has to be difficult. But these guys have done it. They're professionals. That's what you get paid to do. But we've seen some things uh, injury-wise. Man, Blake Jarwin is uh, has been injured. Also, James Conner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, he got banged up again, twisted ankle this time. There uh, have been a few other injuries in and around the world of football, and that's to be expected. But but I think the big news is that the quarterbacks have been so tremendous. We've had some incredible week one performances, and we'll go over some of those with Eddie Robinson in the wifey side piece crazy X segment, and where I detail some of those great performances. But, man, we've had from Lamar Jackson to Gardner Minshew to Mitch Trubisky, Russell Wilson. I mean, you've had some guys ha- have had – uh, Aaron Rodgers had some guys have some great performances, man. So the quarterbacks have really been playing well. I think Baltimore was probably as impressive a team uh, as you'll see week one. I think you have to put Green Bay in there going on the road to Minnesota. I think you have to put in the Rams with the the minor upset of the Cowboys. And, I, I mean, I just think that defensive performance was really impressive. The other impressive performance, man, my Super Bowl pick, uh, the Seattle Seahawks against Atlanta. They were looking good. Matt Ryan, in a losing effort, had 450 yards passing. And Julio Jones, 157 yards. And then Arizona, you have to talk about what they were able to do in defeating the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, these are big wins early on. Now, it remains to be seen what happens. This is more or less – I don't. it didn't feel like preseason – 
we'll have to see how much some of these teams improve to assess was week one, week two, or were they dry runs? I think Pittsburgh didn't look good early last night. I didn't think that – I thought that Tennessee had trouble getting the run game going, but I, that's kind of par for the course. I think as the season goes on, Derrick Henry will continue to do some of the things that he uh, was able to do last time out. So it's a lot going on and a lot to get into. If you have some comments about the NFL, hit us up, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. Going to get into our conversation with Eddie Robinson. Eddie back with us after week one of the NFL. And before we get started with the NFL stuff, I am currently looking at a replay of the Tour de France. <laughs> Any thoughts of the Tour de France? I mean, I just watch it for the scenery. I don't know one bike rider from another. If Lance Armstrong was racing, I wouldn't know it. <laughs> unless they said it but i mean, i just look at it for the scenery it's so beautiful it, it just makes me want to go to france yeah i mean the, the scenery is definitely beautiful and, and bob roll you know that's that's the guy that's always describing the castles and the moats and all the details so yeah i mean right now they're going into the third week this is the, the final week and seeing like uh primo roglitz is pretty much gonna win it all he's he's with the jumbo team and yeah this is an interesting story this guy was a ski jumper didn't have a career of coming up and cycling. And then all of a sudden, you know, his ski jumping career kind of phased out from Slovenia, I think. And then he just started cycling and just became like a, a world-class cyclist just in a, in a short matter of years. So it's, that tells me. See, that makes me think that, 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 <laughs> that you, you know, you have a chance to do something great in life. Don't be deterred if your first goal doesn't always work out. Sometimes it's just a closed door to open up to a bigger venue. So keep that in mind. Well, my first goal didn't work out. Halle Berry got away. But, oh, Halle Berry, Halle Berry. <laughs> no, nah, actually, okay. actually was not. It, it was not. I, although I have a, a good red-blooded American appreciation for her, that was not my first goal. But I will say this. It makes me not take the sport so serious when you think somebody can leave ski jumping, which is you don't equate that with athleticism, and then you turn into like a, a premier bike rider. Like, oh, you can really ride a bike. <laughs> no, I mean, this is... That's what makes his story so great. I mean, the chances of that happening is like one in a million. I mean, really, the Tour de France, is, it's always articles. that Can you train your way into being a great Tour de France rider? Some of it is genetics. You just have to have the body type to build. Of course, it's, I mean, it's a suffering sport. You got to, I mean, the, the level of, of workout, and it's like training for a marathon like every day. I mean, they're, they're riding four and five hours every day. So, I mean, there's Why it's coming up to the last week. Why? Why? Was why that? there not more brothers is having success in the Tour de France? Or well, there? there is one brother. If you look hard, if you look hard, it's Kevin Rizza. And I and man, I saw this guy. He was riding. He's a you know black guy. He's from France. So I would watch him and say, "Man, who's the black guy? Who's the black guy?" So I figured out at first he was. I forgot what team he's on. He's on like a smaller team, a French team, and and he's actually the lead out guy, which means nothing to you. But anyway, he he rides for this team, and he's usually towards the front because he rides for this sprinter a French sprinter named Brian Coca. And so that's who he leads out. He's like the he's like the first lieutenant to try to help him to win. So he's, and the so he's usually towards the front. So if you look hard, he'll be like in a dark greenish blue kit. 
Kit. That's the cycling kit. outfit. That's cycling uniform. So I'm giving you man, some jargon you, here. So they call too, it a kit. It's a cycling you, you're uniform. You're too deep so. in the zone, man. <laughs> I've gone way too deep. But yeah. he's the only black guy. Now, they've had some, they've had some guys from Eritrea. Couple black guys from there who are really good in the mountains, technically. Because you have the, the reason why I ask is because you do have like the folks that are a great car, the African runners that are so good at endurance. You would think, well, maybe that lends itself to doing well in the Tour de France. Yeah, man. You, so you know what? You must have been doing your homework because that's what they were heading to. They have like a um, team, Quebec. It is. Um, and also team they had a Rwanda team that they tried to get going. So they have tried to get some smaller teams. They call them continental teams on the continent of Africa. And so the and it's the same thought process. If hey, if these guys are great in the mountains, they have the lung capacity, they have to build. The problem is if I got a guy in Kenya or, you know, somewhere in a, in the African highlands of Ethiopia and he's already running from village to village. All I do is throw him a pair of Nikes and say, man, keep running. Well, with cycling, you know, I have to give you a, a $10,000 bicycle. I have to show you how to go to Europe. I have to teach you how to ride in a Peloton. So it's a lot more to it than just in that. But they have a lot of free bike programs because in Africa, a bike is just as valuable as a car. You're talking about going 10 miles just to go to school or 10 miles to go to the watering hole. So having a bike is crucial. And so they started off by trying to give bikes to the local villagers, but then also trying to enhance professional cycling and they made some success it was moving in that direction and started started to back off but colombia is the country that's really like prosper i mean the current winner egan barnell he's from colombia although he's having a horrible tour de france right now but colombia has like seven or eight nine guys in the tour de france who are doing great so that's really the country that's kind of taking over cycling beyond the european countries who have traditionally okay ranked. so let's do this because you got you got you, uh, you, that was a whole lot you got you got yeah you went deep you the string but you gotta you understand. But you have to understand where we are in the process. I asked you one question. We went to Colombia. I asked you about Africa. We ended up in Colombia. That's a whole different continent. Hey man, so, don't don't blame me because I'm a plethora of information, man. It's like you know, you you can't. You're not just gonna get the Monday night football and the Thursday recap. I'm gonna give you a little bit of everything. I well, told you. I, I will I mean, give I'm, you. I'm, I'm more of a Sky Sports guy than the ESPN guy. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you 30 sec, less than 30 seconds. I did watch Formula One, and it, it happened exactly like it always does with Hamilton when he was two minutes ahead of everybody. He was sipping tea and eating crumpets by the time the rest of the field finished. So, yeah, I tried to indulge you again this week. Less than 30 seconds. Tell me about yeah, Lewis well, Hamilton. Lewis, Lewis had a great race. He kind of checked out. So, so checked out, when they say check out, that means that you, you, you won the qualifying, you won the race, and you also had the fastest lap. So you just checked out. You basically just dominated the whole race. They had a couple crashes, a couple restarts, but pretty much uh, he's kind of taking control of the season. The big thing was that he did have the shirt about Priyana Taylor that he wore on the podium. And Hamilton has been very outspoken about social justice and Black Lives Matter. So it's kudos to him. Now, you know, What was the controversy on, behind that? Because I heard there was some controversy behind him. So he was supposed to be investigated for the shirt or something. What, what was that about? I have to follow up on that. But he wore the shirt on the platform. Then he took the T-shirt off. And he, of course, because you have all the sponsors and everything. So he still had all the sponsors and the logos and the hat. So he didn't wear it throughout the whole ceremony. But when they played the national anthems, which they played a British national anthem because, you know, th that's the, the country he's from. And so, but I thought it was just, I mean, he had a picture of Brianna Taylor on the back and the words on the front. So I thought it was just 
I mean, a guy who's really just pushing himself in the forefront to to take on that mantra of social justice and social change in the sport where he is the only black guy, like not now, but ever. You know, so right, that's, right. that's just a huge. Deal. Yeah, I heard him. I heard him shout it out. Hey, arrest the people who killed Breonna Taylor. I, uh, he, something he he mentioned Breonna at the very end. Yeah, of he his said comments. it. He said it also at the end of the interview. That right. Yeah, that's what I heard. You're they right. still haven't arrested the officers that killed Breonna Taylor. Well, yeah, we yeah. certainly hope that you know more about cycling and Formula One than you do about football. Because you're look, you off to a horrible start with your prediction. The <laughs> Dallas Cowboys <laughs> lose. Stop it, man. Stop it. Let me ask you about the push-off. Did you think that was a good call on Ramsey with Michael Gallup pushing off on Ramsey, or did Ramsey just sell it, or do you not make that call that late in the game? What's your take on that particular call? Well, you know, I'm going to say they didn't make that call when the Saints played the Vikings last year and we lost in the playoffs. So my thing is if an offense – my son plays – he's a junior at sophomore high school. He plays wide receiver. And and any wide receiver, I'm going to always tell him, you make them make that call because as an offensive guy, you're supposed to push off because most of the time they don't call and it's up to the defensive guy to defend itself. It's like using the stiff arm. So to me, hey, you always push off and you force the referee to make that call of offensive pass interference. Michael Irvin, like you said, he made a career on pushing off. They very seldom call it, so you're supposed to do it. So I'm asking you again, looking at that call, you're the official. Do you make that call? Do you not make that call? No, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm going to tell the defense, but I'm going to give the defensive guy a liberty to be aggressive also. I'm, I'm going to be more, especially towards the end of the game, of letting the guys play. It has to be something that's very obvious, blatant, and a competitive advantage. Well, yeah. And, and like I said, I, I thought he had a little bit of a competitive advantage with the push-off. I'm like you. I like the hand fighting. Even though I not pulling for the Cowboys. I think that that was not the call to make. But I I will say this. Ramsey did a great job of selling that. So I want to ask you about a couple of things. But we're going to do a segment that we did last year. A couple of years we've do, been doing this segment. It's called Wifey. My wifey. Side piece. Side piece. Or crazy ex. Crazy. I'm going to give you three choices. And then the first one, I'm going to give you four choices. And you tell me who you wifing up, who's the side piece, and who's the crazy ex. Uh, here we go. Let's start with quarterback performances. I'm going to give you four quarterbacks, although we usually only do three. This time I'll give you four. One will be left out altogether. Who had the most impressive quarterback performance of the week? Russell Wilson. Four touchdowns. He went 31 to 35 for 322 yards in a win. All of these quarterbacks won. So he won versus Atlanta. Next up, we have Gardner Minshew. He was 19 of 20. For 173 yards, three touchdowns, 95% completion percentage versus Indianapolis with a win. So he's in the mix. Aaron Rodgers, 32 of 44, four touchdowns in a win versus Minnesota. And finally, Lamar Jackson, 20 of 25, 275 yards, three touchdowns in a victory over the Cleveland Browns. So who who are you wifing? Who had the most impressive performance out of those four? So are we going just by this weekend only? Or this we weekend only. Also, yeah, this weekend so only. We, we, we're not looking at long term who's going to cook me eggs and, and fix my dinner and iron my underwear down the line. We ain't yeah. looking at all of that. Are we looking at if you had to marry a performance from Sunday, who would you wife up? Yeah, well, I would have to go with Russell Wilson. I thought that he controlled that game from beginning to end. It was just vintage Russell Wilson, high percentage of completions, just didn't make any mistakes. And the guy is just 
always calm, not flashy, but highly effective. So your wife and Russell Wilson, for me, oh, man, I would have to say Aaron Rodgers. With all the controversy, I'm wifing up Aaron Rodgers this week. A 32-44, four touchdowns in a tough divisional game. And, again, coming off of the offseason and all of the stuff that went on. Who Who's your side piece in this situation? Well, the, the side piece, I might go with Gardner Minshew. I mean, I think that's just a classic side piece. You know, um, you know what you kind of got, but you're not sure. And it's their side piece for a reason. So I'm going to go with Minshew. I am going to go with Lamar Jackson. Coming out of the gate, he is 20 and 25, 275 yards, three touchdowns. Win, division win, he got off to a great start. Rebounding from a – well, not a poor – he didn't have a poor performance. That team just got out of character in the playoffs, and that's why they lost. But, yeah, I'll go with him as a side piece. Crazy X, who's your crazy X? Who's the oh, – I, I, I have to go with Aaron Rodgers just because yeah, I, I know it's supposed to be a one-game performance, but still in all, I, I watched some of that game, and, and I'm just – not convinced uh, long-term that Aaron Rodgers is going to get it done. He had a good day, but it was just a good day. I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew because, I mean, like I said, he was 19 to 20. Next week he might be 19 for 50. The man well, <laughs> had one incompletion. Right. That, that, you one incompletion. Yeah, so – but I'm saying, you, yeah, but that was a hell of a performance. But, again, 173 yards, hey, you need, probably you need, a lot of dinking looking, and dunking. You're looking in the past. You need to look into the future, man. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, the, the future is Minshew. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is definitely the past. They, they just drafted a first-round pick in the quarterback. When they do that, they do it for a reason. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a different discussion. We're going to talk about the future in a little bit, but let's uh, stick with week one of the NFL season. Which one of these are you wifing as the most surprising winner of week one? Let's let's give you some scenarios here. You have Jacksonville, who's an underdog versus Indianapolis and Phillip Rivers. They win in week one. You have Washington coming from way behind, 17 points down to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a surprising one and the Arizona Cardinals defeating the defending NFC champs. Who are you wifing as the most surprising winner of week one? Oh, you have to go with the Cardinals and, and I'm not even surprised by that. I mean, I, I think the Cardinals are definitely poised to make that next step. I mean, the young quarterback is getting experience. He has confidence. He's a leader. You add big time wide receiver, uh, so they have all of the pieces and and i think that they're a team that can definitely take that next and not even definitely i think they will take that next step i can see them winning the west or definitely getting into a wild card situation well i will say this uh, you you talk a little bit about deandre hopkins 14 career high 14 receptions 151 yards and a touchdown yeah man that gives them a different look we saw how much the texans missed him um, but yeah that was big i'm wifing the victory of Arizona as well. I think to to be a team that is the defending NFC champs who really hadn't lost a lot. I mean, they lost some, but not a lot. Yeah, that I was paper a, champs. Paper champs. They you won said five that. games on the last play of the game. I told you that last week when I made my you predictions. Sure paper champs. I'm telling you. Okay. They, so, won't, they won't make the playoffs. You heard it here first. San Francisco. Down and out. Too many injuries on the first day, and and, and uh, the rest of the division is too good. Trust uh, me. All right. Well, who's your side piece? Is it Jacksonville versus Indianapolis or Washington defeating the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I think you got to go with Washington. I mean, be- 
because they're a little bit unknown, unpredictable. I think they're going to have some games like this where they 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 may pull out some victories. Then they're going to basically give away some games because you still have a young quarterback and a young team. But I think they they're, they're real solid, you know, as far as from the head coach standpoint. And I know he had a uh, announcement that he that he had cancer, so hopefully you know he can have a recovery. And, and I don't know if he's still going to coach or not. But at the same time, I, I think his presence in the locker room can kind of solidify a young team to uh, you know maybe just overachieve from where they should really be. I will say I will side piece Washington as well because that defense was good. You know, last well it was built yeah, as good. They they were built as good. They weren't. They were a little bit disappointed. But over the last few years, been a solid defense, and they really got after Carson Wentz. So yeah, that one will be my side piece. And then I think obviously like Jacksonville. Yeah, that's the the crazy X. I mean, look, Philip Rivers who will give it and take it away in 60 minutes, and he did just that again. Did some good things offensively, but also turned over the ball a couple times, just like he did in San Diego. And that being said, they still had an opportunity uh, to win that game, but you know he had a drop, uh, you know, and just some things just didn't go their way down the stretch. Which again, that's what happened with the Chargers last year. Finally, in wifey side piece of crazy X, which team will rebound in Week Two? Will it be the Texans hosting the Baltimore Ravens? Will it be the Cowboys? versus Atlanta or the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Rams. Who you wifing up for a victory next week uh, to rebound from a week one loss? I think that's definitely the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys were in the game. I mean, you can tell Zeke was, was on form. Dak had a good day. I think hurting that their, their, their first string tight end, the, the, the young kid who had the ACL injury, that's going to hurt them because they were looking at him to be that third pass receiving guy. So look for Look for Lamb, and you know, the rookie wide receiver to step up and have a big day for the Cowboys. But, I mean, they handle the Falcons. The Falcons are in the tailspin. Until they get a new quarterback, they won't win. Well, but, that, this, but that's not the problem with them. That is they, the uh, no, they it put, no, they, the no, no, no. They put they up offensive numbers. Problem. No, they put up offense. And that's not, yeah, that ain't fair because, those, look, let me tell you something. Oh, fair. Fair means you're wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> you you can you have a quarterback throw for 450 yards versus Seattle, and then you're gonna say it's the offense's fault? Come it's on, the man. Curse of Michael Vick. Until you do right by Michael Vick, nothing's <laughs> hey, going to happen that man, to the no, That man killed dogs. I ain't trying to take up for him. No. So even he knew he was wrong on that one. So, no, I just think it's unfair to to really say, oh, it's their offense. No. No. They, look, Julio Jones had 157 yards receiving. The Russian leader in that game was Todd Gurley with 56 yards rushing. They put up 25 points on the road. Well, actually, where were they? They were on the road, right? They were in Seattle. And, but, yeah, so, no, they gave up 38 as a defense. So, that continues to be a problem. So, well, I, uh, I, I'm a who that. So, whenever the Falcons lose, it's a good day. Even if we don't win, it's well, I will say this. I agree with you that I'm wiping up the Cowboys because, again, with that uh, that defense for Atlanta, yeah, not not so much. Okay, who's the side piece? Texans beating Baltimore or Philadelphia beating the Rams? Ooh, that's a tough one. Well, I'm going to have to go with Philly just because the Texans beating the Ravens, that's a tough one. But, I mean, with Philly, they played good enough to beat Washington. They probably lost the game that they should have won. If you want to be a playoff team and you lose that type of game as an opener to a team that you, you probably is not going to be there towards the end of the season, then although the Rams is a tough matchup, you have to bounce back and you have to have that sense of emergency of urgency right away. To me, I never got caught up in the first four games. As long as you were 2-2 two and two 
you're okay. Correct your mistakes and then get it going. Hopefully you want to be better than that, but at least be two and two. So that means it's, it's, it's not a must win, of course, in the second game of the season, but you want to kind of have that identity and come out with that chip on your shoulder and kind of bounce back from a game that you probably should have won as an opener for Philly. Yeah, and I agree with you. I don't think the Texans have a snowball's chance in hell of beating Baltimore. And and like you're a little bit banged up in your in your backfield. It's just I, 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 you would have to believe that that receiving core is going to perform better than they did. We'll, we'll have to see about that. But, yeah, I, I think – Although Philadelphia they have some problems because now you have Aaron Donald coming after you. You don't have an Aaron Donald on that Washington Redskins or what former Washington football team defensive front, but you got Aaron Donald coming after you this week. And so I think it'll be tough for them as well, but I think that their chances of beating the Rams are better than the Texans' chances of beating the Ravens. With that, any final observations on week one before we let you get out of here? Uh, I mean, week one is so overrated. People who are panicking, they're, they're selling players on their fantasy football teams. They're trying to make trades. They're jumping on and off bandwagons. Week one means nothing in the NFL. It doesn't matter if you win by 30 or lose by 30. Don't talk to me about what's going to happen until October, maybe around Halloween. Then you kind of know what you got. Even if you're four and four, you still have a chance to make a run. So I think right now, especially with no preseason teams are just kind of feeling things out. You can kind of see who's going to be good, but it's way too early to see who's going to be a real contender or a pretender. Game seven tonight, who you got Clippers or do you have the Denver Nuggets, the up and coming Denver Nuggets? Uh, up and coming Denver Nuggets will be fishing tomorrow. I'm going to have to go with the Clippers. I told you from the beginning, the Clippers would win the West and they would win the whole thing this year. Yeah, so but that pressure's on now. Tape, look at the text message. I predicted it. I put it there. I'm just, uh, come on, man. <laughs> pressure's on them, those, those Clippers tonight. <laughs> how, how can folks reach you on social media? Oh, it's Rob 50 at Rob 50 on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, man, we appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. All right, peace. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. And if you've listened for any amount of time, if you've gone back and listened to the archives, you know we like to mix it up and incorporate different segments and different things to spice up the conversation around the world of sports and beyond. So with that in mind, I wanted to create a new segment. It's called the Sunday Soundtrack. 
Now, what I'm doing here is I'm incorporating something that I'm quite known for in the greater Houston area and around parts of the country. If you listen on the World Wide Web, I'm the host of the Friday Express. We play classic oldies, uh, R&B oldies. I mean, I'm t- everything from Sam Cooke to Babyface to Jodeci to Heatwave to Marvin Gaye, you name it. Bobby Womack, uh, wh- whatever, Wh- whoever you can, Isaac Hayes, what, whoever you can name. We do it. But I'm also a huge music fan. You cannot miss me with music. I watched those games on Sunday. I looked around and I I saw certain things and they reminded me of songs or song lyrics. And I wanted to incorporate that into this new segment called Sunday Soundtrack. So when I looked at the game on Sunday, obviously the Cowboy fans were excited. They played the Rams in L.A. And they were just about in position to maybe take a shot in the end zone or at the very least send the game in overtime versus the Rams. Then Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Michael Gallup, who I had on my fantasy team last night, by the way, went streaking down the sideline and all you saw was him catching a pass and boy, inside the 20, man, this team had an opportunity to win up, but there was a flag. He got caught pushing off of Jalen Ramsey. Now the call itself is a subject of great debate, but if I was going to play a song for Michael Gallup, this would be the song. For the record, he did push off, but I would not have thrown that flag. That being said, I suspect that the Cowboys would have found another way to blow that game. And even if they would have put the game into overtime, which maybe they would have had a shot at the end zone, like I said, if they would have gotten an overtime, they would have lost anyway. That's just that's just how I feel about it. Next up, Cam Newton. He's been talked about, put down, insulted neglected all of those things over the last couple of years and he was cut by the Carolina Panthers and it looked like oh will will you see him again will he be a starter again in this league most of us knew better we knew that okay the opportunity would come but surprisingly not a lot of NFL teams lined up to sign him he stayed out on the open market for an extended amount of time the Chargers didn't want him The Jacksonville Jaguars didn't want him. The Chicago Bears didn't want him. But the guru did. Bill Belichick took a chance on him, and he got him on the cheap. Got him on a one-year deal, and he started at quarterback, did Cam Newton, Sunday, leading the New England Patriots to a 21-11 victory over the Miami Dolphins. And in that victory, he had 155 yards passing, which is not much. But he had 75 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. So in thinking about that, I thought if Cam could play a song and he was a Maze fan, what would that song be? Cam Newton. He got off to a great start. I'm not a New England Patriots fan, but I am a fan of Cam Newton, and I uh, I hope he has uh, continued success, and I hope he doesn't have to run as much, that he can kind of open that thing up a little bit. I don't want to see him get hurt. want to see make sure he gets protection, and he can get rid of the football. Next up, TB12. I'm talking about Tom Brady, the highly celebrated debut of Tom Brady on the road for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Playing against New Orleans, everybody was hyped about it. Oh, this is this is the team. They're going in the NFC. This is the guy. He's going to do it. Well, you know what he did do? Well, they lost the game. But for the third straight game, Tom Brady had a P 
pick six. So if you go back to last season, the last regular season game, and the, actually his last pass as a New England Patriot was a pick six. So with that in mind, I said, you know what? Let me play a little rock for him. And, and this is what we came up with. Here I go again on my own. Going down the only road. Now this next one, this next one sort of hurts. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, he was traded to the Arizona Cardinals in the offseason. Much has been made of it in the greater Houston area and around the NFL. People were shocked that the Texans were only able to get David Johnson and some other stuff for a premier receiver in the NFL. Well, he had a stellar debut for the Arizona Cardinals playing with Kyler Murray. He had a career high 14 receptions for 151 yards in a shocking, I will say shocking, although a lot of people had a lot of hype for Arizona, but in a shocking victory over the defending NFC champs, the San Francisco 49ers, they beat the 49ers 24-20. He got a touchdown, but again, 14 receptions for, 151 yards and if he was going to send something out to his former coach and GM Bill O'Brien I suspect this is what he'd play you never miss your water see your Finally, the Houston Rockets. Man, they cashed it in in a big way. The only person for the Rockets that had any fight was Russell Westbrook, and he wanted to fight Rajon Rondo's brother, who was in the stands, who was subsequently kicked out of the bubble. Uh, well, he was kicked out of the game. I don't know if he got kicked out of the bubble, but he certainly was kicked out of the game. Uh, they started beefing and sort of joined with each other after right, Rajon Rondo and Westbrook got into it on the court. And the brother had some things to say, and Westbrook wasn't having it. Too bad that that didn't translate into more success on the basketball court. They didn't play with any passion. They didn't play with any fire. They didn't play with any heart. And it led me to play this for all the Rocket fans, myself included. <laughs> So that's it for Sunday Soundtracks. If you have some suggestions, just email me, music at wadeswordproductions.com or hit us on the sports line, 832-941-6614. Coincidentally enough, we will hear more music this time from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And if you have music you'd like played on this podcast, just hit us up, music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. Well, well, we can expose new artists or fledgling artists to a wider variety of listeners. So uh, you can hit us up with that. Going to hear our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and then come back with We the People in our conversation with Daniel Ewing. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast.
time for We the People. the We The People segment, we hear from you guys, whether it is from the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page or group, or from tweets that you guys have sent us, or from our sports line, which you can leave a message on 24 hours a day, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. What do we have? Hey, Devin, this is Pernell Harvey. Just a couple of thoughts on the Rockets and the Texans. That whole deal with Mike D'Antoni, I mean, that's just, let's call it what it is. That's just privilege at, at its finest. This dude, he really didn't do anything while he was here. I mean, second round, you know, traditional exit. And then they're already, before he's even left the team, talking about what job he's going to get, he's going to get next. I mean, it's like, seriously? But anyway, as far as uh, James Harden is concerned, I just don't think this guy has that next level of gear to get to get the team to the next level. I just don't think he has it. And and so I don't know what it is you can do because now he has a big money contract. So does Russ. And, you know, who's going to want to come here? They can't attract free agents. So I really think this team is what it is for the next few years until they're gone. Then finally, as far as Bill O'Brien is concerned in the Texans, y'all already know who he was. That's what you're going to get. So you might as well saddle up with disappointment and keep it moving. Thanks. Thanks, Pernell, for checking in. We certainly appreciate you chiming in with your opinion. Encourage more of you guys to do that. Let me say this, and I understand the frustration with Mike D'Antoni. This is the deal. As fans, I think it's easy to get frustrated with him. I don't think he's a privileged hire, not like the Steve Nash thing. He has accomplished things in this league. He's won, and really, he's made a lot of guys a lot of money. When I think of Amari Stoudemire and I think of Sean Marion, he got the best out of Steve Nash. He got the best offensive numbers career-wise for a lot of guys, so he makes guys money, and he wins basketball games. What Kevin Allen always says, and, and you have to agree, he's just not a champion championship level coach now who do you blame for the problems here in houston is it more hardened than d'antoni or d'antoni and then harden i think when you look at harden he's played in a lot of situations he's had big name guys he couldn't play with dwight howard uh, carmelo anthony chris paul russell westbrook he hadn't been able to win with any of them ultimately and so is that on him you know we'll have to see now if you are looking for hope maybe you can get a coach that can convince him and maybe he can learn on his own we've seen here in houston where we had the black hole in the in the low block elijah one would never pass out of the low block you pass the ball down there you'll never see it again and then over time he started to trust his teammates got better teammates around him and he transformed his game and became one of the better passers out of the low post ever and again that's when they won championships so we have seen superstars transform their game if we can see james harden do that if he can sort of be introspective and look inside of himself and see how he can change and improve. But if he comes back in the same with the same style, and yeah, the things you can do, Daryl Morey will make some moves. But ultimately, if it's the same style, he's hard to play with and he's hard to win with. And speaking of, well, Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien is creating apathy in this city. And I'm telling you, that's the most dangerous thing you can have if you are on a team. Apathy, where people just don't care. People are not even mad anymore. They just and I'm telling you, if it wasn't for Deshaun Watson, 
No, none of the brothers will be rooting for the, for the Texans, but a lot of people are rooting for Deshaun Watson. I mean, you know, so I, it is what it is, and I think Kevin says, oh, they'll only miss, win six games. No, they'll win their, their eight to ten games like they always do, and they won't do anything in the playoffs. So, uh, But although they have a really, really tough schedule to start with, they start with started with Kansas City, and now Baltimore doesn't get much easier over the next couple of weeks. But let's talk some basketball right now. Here's our guy Daniel Ewing to uh, catch us up on some hoops. And uh, how are you this afternoon? Is everything okay? Devin, man, I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain too much. How is it? Was all a dream? The podcast. How, how's your podcast going these days? Good, man. Good. I actually got a new episode coming out this week with my guy George Kill. So be expecting that sometime tomorrow. All right, well, we'll be looking for it on all your major platforms. It was all a dream, and I'll give you an opportunity to tell folks about that at the end of this conversation. But I wanted to ask you, the people who care are despondent about the Houston Rockets. To me, it's not just that they lost. It's the way that they lost. You come out, you win game one, and then you just you don't really even show up for the rest of the series. Or you go long stretches where you're not playing well and then you try to rally at the end or you get so far behind and then you're trying to rally back and you can't close the gap. Or what are your thoughts on all of those uh, games, what that series between the Rockets and the Lakers? Honestly, man, I think it was more so about the, the Lakers being who we thought the Lakers could be, more so than about what the Rockets couldn't do or what they didn't do. The Rockets are a cap team. They've maxed out their ceiling with, with what they have now. So with that being said, I mean, it's not it's not too much further that that group of guys can do to get better. So they're going to have to mix up some things, try to find try to be creative in free agency and, and get some better pieces. Mostly uh, they, you got to get a versatile big. You can't play that that type of basketball relying on six, six and six, seven guys to try to be a defensive presence. You know, your defensive anchors on, on the defensive end. That's not going to work when you get to this to the playoffs and you plan against, you know, caliber players like Anthony Davis and those type of guys. Well, you know, one of the things I looked at for the Lakers is that they didn't have a consistent third score with Avery Bradley not showing up to the bubble uh, with him opting out. And then Rondo comes along and wakes that team up and just plays incredible. What, the second game back, what, 21 points? I mean, just lit them up in the fourth quarter. I think moving forward, the Lakers, they will still had the same problem, that third score. I don't I don't see a guy that can step up every night and give them the, those points. What are your thoughts on – and, and that's why I thought this this series could have been more competitive. It was a, you, you had your twos, your two, your big two, and then the Rockets needed a Gordon or a Daniel House or some third score to step up. And so did the Lakers. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Lakers not having that third score? So far in the playoffs, it hasn't been a, a real crutch for them. And you're right. They don't necessarily have a, the third score that they thought they might have. They thought that guy would be Kyle Kuzma. He hasn't quite came around yet to, to being able to produce consistently of showing that he can do that. Uh, but, yeah, Rondo has been a great boost for them since, since he's gotten back. And like I said, the Lakers have been really good based on the fact that they haven't had to rely just on one guy to be that third wheel. They've had multiple guys show up in in different games and play well. Rondo being more consistent the last couple of games, but also they've had uh, – their whole bench has played well, especially in this last round with the Rockets. You know, they had great contributions from from just about everybody that got in the game uh, each night. 
I want to go back to the Rockets. The Rockets, the effort just didn't seem to be there. And this is what I said last time out. You can agree or disagree or give me your take on this. I said that I finally figured out James Harden. He can't shift gears. He doesn't. There's not a, a playoff gear that he can go to. It just seems like he's the most prolific scorer, but in the playoffs, he just doesn't have that next level, that next gear. He just didn't play well. I mean, going back to game seven of the OKC series, he bailed himself out with that defensive play, but by and large, in that game, he was he was not the James Harden you needed him to be in crucial times. Uh, what are your thoughts on Harden and, and that next gear or, or him in the playoffs? Man, that's actually a great, that's a great analysis of it, man. I, I never looked at it like that, but that's, that's pretty accurate, man. So far, he's shown that he doesn't have that, you know, that playoff gear that a lot of the superstar players, you know, a lot of superstar players show or have in moments like that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. He definitely, he definitely did save himself, you know, by making that defensive play in the Oklahoma series. Obviously, he didn't play well in that game seven. But I think a lot of it also might have to do with the fact that how he has to play for 82 games, right? And he's not a guy to take games off. He doesn't do load minutes. Like, he's out there playing every game. But a lot of it is that he has to. Like, if James Harden doesn't do a lot of things that he does, granted, whether you like the way that his style of play or not, if he doesn't perform the way he performs throughout the season for the Rockets, the way they're set up now, the Rockets are not a successful team. So what do you do moving forward? Now Mike D'Antoni's gone. So that's a couple of coaches that, that Harden has gone through. He's gone through playing with. They couldn't find a way for Carmelo Anthony to work with him. They couldn't find a way for Chris Paul to work with him. They are not finding a way for Russell Westbrook to work with him. What, what do you do moving forward to build this team into a championship contender with two top 10, top 15 caliber guys on, on, your, on, the, your, uh, on your team? What do you do to make them championship level? That's a great question. There has to be some changes made. Now, first, they got to find the best coach that fits that's going to fit a, a James Harden and Russell Westbrook as far as a type caliber. As far as finding a guy that they're going to re really respect and, and listen to, you know what I'm saying, and a guy that can demand, you know, demand the best out of those guys uh, every night. You have to have a different system going forward. You have to find a system where I think best way, you know, you obviously personnel, you got to change some personnel, but also you got to do something different with James Harden. You can't allow him to dominate the ball like he does and not be able to put him in different positions to get easier baskets. Like, he has to be able to get easier baskets by moving him off the ball, allowing allow him to move off the ball, and have, give the defense some different looks than just bring the ball down the court at the top of the key, dribble, dribble, playing pick and roll, and, and having to get off the ball when teams have to trap him. Who would you think would be a good fit at coach? I mean, without really delving into it, but just do you think of Mark Jackson or Ty Lue? Which one of those guys or what? group of guys gentry's out there it's a bunch of people that are out there uh, what do you think uh, you have donovan billy donovan is out there who would be a good fit uh, as head coach here for the rockets honestly that's that's probably the million dollar question i i'm not sure man like i said with the way they've played the last several years and the personnel they have i'm not sure who would be an actually good fit for the rockets because that's the makeup of their team is is so non-traditional that i mean it's like it's hard you know what i'm saying like you just think about all these coaches that you just named those guys are they have been used to playing with somewhat of a with a traditional type of roster the rockets personnel is is so unlike anybody else's in the nba that is like it's crazy 
So I want to shift gears, ask you about game seven. Now, we we didn't think we would be here. <laughs> Look, halfway through game six, we didn't think we would be here. The, the Los Angeles Clippers, they just, what's going on with it? I mean, I, I, coming into that series, I thought Denver had a shot anyway because that was a bad matchup for them because you had uh, Jokic who could really dominate down low. And, I mean, I just thought that that was a, a difficult matchup for them. What do you see in that series, and what do you see happening tonight in Game 7? Man, honestly, it's it's a Game 7. Anything can happen. The two best words in all the sports is, you know, is, is you look forward to Game 7s. And, and so uh, it should be exciting. I mean, for Denver, they really don't have any pressure. But also, if this if they're a team that wants to, you know, take the step forward and want, and want teams to – to take them seriously, then, you know, then they should go out here and, and try to do all they can, which they will. But, you know, they, they should make it make it a point to, like, look, like, like we deserve to be here and, and we are, we are good enough and we, you know, it, it, it is our time to move forward and be, you know, and have a chance to go to the Western Conference Finals. But the Clippers, you know, the, the pressure is on the Clippers, you know, having the lead that they had with, the, you know, with the expectations that they've had for this season and the players that they have on their team. You know, like you just said, you know, we know Kawhi, you know, this moment is not too big for him. But, you know, can Paul George, you know, get back to the playoff P? You know, we haven't seen playoff George, playoff Paul George uh, consistently enough. So uh, what what Paul George shows up and what Clippers team shows up? How do they, you know, how how does Lou Wolf play tonight? Is Montreal Harrell going to be a factor in the game? So, I mean, they got the tools and, and the personnel to, to take care of business. But it's just a matter of, you know, you know, all these guys going to show up tonight. If Doc Rivers loses another series where he had a 3-1 lead, what does this say about him? Some people, including the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen, he says, hey, Doc is overrated. What do you think about Doc Rivers if he's not able to pull this one off? Man, I, I like this question because based on what's been going on in the business of basketball as, a, as it relates to the coaches, right? A lot of coaches have lost their, you know, a few, not a lot, a few coaches have lost their jobs in this season in particular after, you know, underperforming or not meeting expectations in the playoffs or what have you. At some point, and granted, it, it is the NBA is a player's league, and these guys making a whole lot of money, so it's hard to kind of just get off a, a player like you can with a coach. But at some point, we're going to have to start giving these players more respect especially these superstars, we have to start giving them more more responsibility about not being able to get their teams over the hump. And so and, does, yeah, that would mean it, Kawhi this time, right? Well, I mean, Kawhi's pretty much done his job. But, yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, if the, if the Clippers end up not winning tonight, right, then you have to take more of a look at Kawhi. You have two all-NBA players in their prime on your team, right? And you do have, as far as I think from top to bottom, the Clippers do have have the better better team the denver is not too far behind but i think i give the clippers the edge as far as top to bottom team wise who you know who's who's expected to win so yeah i think in, in a lot of these situations we have to start looking at these players more like look it's it's not always the coach at the end of the day the coach could give a great game plan have great strategies about what they want to do and how we want to do it if the guys can't go out there and make it happen and perform and execute then you know you you can't blame the coaches the coaches don't play the game so who do you pick tonight Ooh, ooh. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the clip show. I'm gonna go with the clip show, man. I, like I said, I think they have the experience uh, and they have, you know, they have the the players that they they need in Kawhi and Paul George, and then you have a, you know, you have a guy like Lou Hill, Lou Will who can go off. Uh, so I'm gonna go with the Clippers, man. I, I give the Clippers. I think it'll be a close game, but I give the Clippers the edge. I have mixed feelings about it because. I would like to see Denver take that next level. I like those young guys. I like Porter, and I like 
to a less extent Harris, but I love Jokic and and I like Murray. I mean, I think again he's proven himself in the bubble. Under this spotlight, he shined in ways that he's probably been shining. We just hadn't paid attention. So I like them, but also it's best for basketball to have a battle of L.A. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this one, but I, I can tell you what, man, it will be great. I think it'll be great either way, but I really, man, it's a tough one. I, I think I think the Clippers will get it done, but I wouldn't be surprised if Denver wins it because they're that good, especially if a guy like Michael Porter steps up and gives them something, some unexpected, some found money. You know, like you, you didn't expect him to contribute the way that he has at different points in this series. So he's found money, and, and they could get it done. So, But I, I'll take the Clippers to win it tonight. When I ask you about the Eastern Conference Finals, man, two unexpected teams. I mean, Boston I yeah. had, had a little bit more. They were sort of more celebrated, and they had they, they were more favorite than Miami. But Miami comes out, and they, you know, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and that gang, they're playing really good basketball. How do you see the Eastern Conference Finals? I think this is going to be a, another possibly seven-game series. I don't, you know, if I, Miami definitely, and not saying that they won't win the series, but this definitely won't be a series where they, they go – they sweep or they win 4-1. Boston's too good of a team. They're too talented. But this is a, I mean, really, this is a great matchup. It's kind of, you know, you know, like a softball versus, you know, versus unorthodox. Boston has a little grit to them, too. I just think Miami has more of a grit, you know, a gritty team. It'd be great to see how, you know, how the talent of Boston matches up against, you know, the the, the grit and grind of, of what Miami has been, you know, has been showing these, these in these playoffs. So the team that really everybody expected, many people penciled in to the NBA Finals, the Milwaukee Bucks go down. It really wasn't that dramatic. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo got hurt, but still, that team, they weren't up to the challenge. Now they, uh, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks met with Giannis and says, hey, we'll spend into the luxury tax. If you're Giannis, do you try to sign that extension or do you, you go into your final year? What do you do? And, and if you're Milwaukee, what do you do? If you're Milwaukee, you do exactly what you just said. You do everything to try to keep Giannis in Milwaukee, right? You do everything to try to keep him in, in, you know, in a Bucks uniform. You say all the right things, and you try to go out there, you know, and show them and make things happen. But the million dollar question for the summer is going to be what, you know, what what does Giannis decide? Does Giannis think his team is actually good enough to get over the hump, or does he think that, hey man, like this is as far as you know I can take these guys. This is as far as we can go. I I need more help. We don't know what that, you know, we don't know what his thought process is. I think they have a good enough team. I mean, you can't have the best record in a regular season two years in a row and, you know what I'm saying, and say this team is not good enough. It's just a matter of, like you said earlier about, you know, having that extra gear in the playoffs. Giannis is still very young. Granted, you know, he's won the MVP last year. He might be the MVP again this year. He's still very young. And, he, you know, this is just a part of his his growing pains. Can he get better? Does he develop a jump? It's Like I said, a lot of this has to do with the players, if Giannis can get a, a consistent 15, 17-footer, then that changes how, how teams can play him in the playoff setting. And then, granted, you have the other guys along that you don't have to, you don't have to do their parts, but I think they might have to look into getting a, a third wheel. You know, they don't really have a third wheel either. You know, you have Giannis and Middleton, and Middleton's, in my opinion, he's not your, he's not a, he's not really a, a, two, a option two. He's more of an option three for me. 
if you had a better option too, then that would be a serious, you know, three-headed monster they would have. If you had Giannis and then a, a you know, a, a, a real option too, and then have have Middleton somewhere as your third option, I think I think that team is primed to be really be a contender. I want to ask you this because much has been, and this is another debate I had. Okay, so we saw that the Lakers. I, I thought they did a great job of perimeter defense, but what they did do also was trap uh, Harden and got the ball out of his hands. My question is, okay, they said, well, oh, man, it wasn't Harden's fault. Okay, but what can be done when they do things like build the wall for Giannis? What can be done to get Harden involved when they do try to take the ball out of his hands as he crosses half court? And what, As a coach, how do you get those guys involved when you know they're going to double team? Because guys have been double teamed since the beginning of time. The great ones still find a way to get it done. What could the Rockets have done to get him more involved, even when they trapped him and tried to throw extra bodies at him? You see, that's what I was saying earlier about having Harden play off the ball some, right? So it's easy. If Harden's going to bring the ball up the court every time, it's it's easy for defense to load up and to, to trap him if that's what they want to do, especially he's in the middle of the court trying to play pick and roll or whatever the case may be. It's easy to throw, send a guy at him, blitz him however they want to blitz him and force him to get out the ball and make other guys be the playmakers. So for the Rockets, I would say, you know, allow Russell Westbrook to to initiate the offense more, you know what I'm saying, whatever, initiate the offense more or 40% or however they want to do it, mix it up to where you have Harden. You got to do something different with Harden besides just having him bring the ball down the court and dominate the ball like he does. You know, you have to be able to, you know, run run some, some pin downs for him, some cross screens for him. He got to get him moving in different aspects, and then catch the ball in scoring positions where he can see the defense coming, possibly the doubles coming, and have better quick hitter decisions that he can make and put guys in better positions to score, or where he can go ahead and and attack the the double situations more efficiently because he's in a better scoring position as opposed to having to get the ball up as soon as he crossed half court because they're coming with the double. And what about with Giannis when they put up the the wall? Everybody talks about the wall against Giannis, and that's how to shut him down. It's worked the last couple years, but... How do you how do you counter that? You only can counter that by Giannis getting better with a jump shot. So we know Giannis, his strength is getting to the basket and being if he gets in the paint, you most likely you're not going he's going to be able to finish or get fouled. So if you can build a wall in time where he can't get that that you know that head of steam, and you get guys in position, you know to force him to make passes or you know even force him to you know to turn it over, get charges, you know, anticipate his euro step. Like I said, he has to get a 15 to 17 footer. To where that okay, if you build that wall, you know, if you backed up below the free throw line, I can uh, shoot stop, over I can it. stop and shoot it. Mm-hmm. Shoot over the wall. Yeah, I, yeah, I can stop and shoot it. Now you have to make a decision. If I hit four or five of those a game, now you have to make a decision. Do I continue to give this up because he's making it, or do I come up and now that gives Giannis that gives him the option to do what he really does best? Is okay. Now I have a chance to get by you and get to the basket. Do you see anything in his game that you saw overseas? Obviously, he came from Greece. You played all, all over Europe. And did you you see any similarities that to his style of play to what you saw over there, or is there something he has that other domestic guys on the United States don't utilize? His length, man, is I mean, it's not too many guys in the NBA that has his length and his skill set, right? And it's a lot of guys that his size, but to be able to you know get the ball off the rim like he can, bring it down, uh, one or two dribbles, and he you know what I'm saying he'd be in scoring position. And then his Euro step is so long and so, you know what I'm saying? Like he, it's not James Harden, but it's, it's efficient. And like I said, he's so long, he Euro step one step. Like he's already, he's at the basket dunking on you or finishing over. Like his game is really freakish. If he can incorporate some type of consistent jump shot, man, he, 
Like he has a chance to be one of the best ever. Like I said, he's still young, so we still got a lot of. He still has a, a lot of work he can improve on, which is scary. It's, he's already as good as he is now. It's scary to say that this kid can actually continue. He can get a lot better. With that, how can folks reach out to you and hit you up on social media or catch the podcast? Oh uh, well, you can catch uh social media man. You can catch me at Mister Daniel Ewing. That's M R Daniel Ewing on both Instagram and Twitter. And uh, it was all a dream podcast. Uh, handle tags on both Instagram and Twitter is I W A A D podcast. Uh, yep, new episode dropping this week. Check it out. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. I appreciate all the support. Hey man, we appreciate you checking in and, uh, and your insight and your knowledge. And I uh, look forward to maybe visiting during the NBA Finals. Devin, man, always it's always a pleasure. I appreciate it. I want to thank Daniel Ewing for joining us as always. But with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preserver and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, this time out, I'll have to tell you, I want to talk about jewelry, something that's precious, not just maybe not an heirloom, maybe an heirloom, whatever your most prized possession of jewelry is. Okay, so and, and let's let's stick to like bracelets or necklaces, uh, not wedding rings. Rings, I get it, but but let's think about this. Think about your most precious prized piece of jewelry. Now, I'm not a jewelry person. I don't have any kind of sentimental attachment to jewelry. I rarely wear any kind of jewelry at all. Maybe I need to do better with that, but I, I just never felt like it fit with me. But that's just that's my issue. But I do understand the importance of jewelry and the sentimental value of jewelry and how how much people put value, both financial and sentimental, into what they wear. Now, I want you to close your eyes. Not close your eyes because I don't know where you're listening. You could be on a treadmill. You could be driving in traffic. Don't close your eyes. But in your mind's eye, try to imagine your most precious piece of jewelry. It may not be the most expensive, but the most important. Maybe something that someone really important in your life gave you. Maybe they're not here anymore. Whatever, whatever the scenario is, whatever your most precious. I mean, I mean, you love this piece of jewelry. It means you you have it just like you want it. It wears just like you want it. It brings back those feelings every time you wear it. Now, let me ask you this: What would you do to protect that? You probably defend yourself from someone trying to take it you probably you know throw hands whatever you would do you would go out of your way to protect this i'm sure you probably lock it up and put it in a safe valuable place one thing you probably wouldn't do is wear it to your job okay would you rock that on your job i don't i don't think you would but and if you did rock it on your job and somehow some way something job related caused you to damage the necklace who could you be mad at? Would you be mad at the machine or the people in your workplace? Who would you be upset with? Isn't it ultimately your fault because you brought it to the job when you knew that this is probably, and I don't care what line of work, but specifically more kinds of work than not. You just wouldn't want to wear something like this to your job. Well, that's what Cam Newton did on Sunday. 
So after having a victory over the Miami Dolphins, which was, again, impressive. We've already talked about him today. And by the way, I have a very complex relationship with Cam as a commentator, athlete, not, not personal, not even professional in that way, but from an opinion standpoint, I run the gamut with Cam. I want to root for him. He's not always my favorite with some of the things that he's done. He had a maturing process. Uh, and I think, I mean, now I think he's at a point where, I mean, I really appreciate him and his struggles and how they mistreated him in the organization, the Carolina organization and in the media. And so I'm rooting for him to succeed. So now I'm Team Cam. I hadn't always been, especially after the Super Bowl and all this stuff. Well, I wasn't always Team Cam, but I'm Team Cam now. But Cam gets into a scrape. After you win your first game as New England Patriots, after the game, he's in some kind of scrape, and they're kind of pushing and shoving, and it's really contentious. And so apparently he is upset because someone did something snatched or tried to grab his necklace. He says his necklace has his children's birthstones on it. And it's just imp really important to him and he values that. So my question to Cam is, why in the hell would you wear that bull on the field? You are talking about a violent game with violent men for three hours. Control violence, but still, they're there to knock the hell out of you. And you know that. And things happen on the field. You, if you're trying to tackle somebody, you grab them wherever you can grab them. That's why you have face masks and, and all sorts of rules that are in place because people, your natural instinct in trying to bring somebody down is to grab. Now, whether they were doing it intentional or not, that really doesn't matter because you never should have wore it to your job anyway. Never on a football field anyway. It's just a ridiculous thing to do. And then if this happens, now you extra. Now you want to throw hands. Now you mad. Now you angry. Now you all in your feelings. Come on, man. That was a crazy move. Don't do that. Don't wear your jewelry on the field. Keep it. I mean, if you want to wear it, look, you're a high profile guy. You have plenty of places to wear your necklace. Do it there. Don't wear it on the football field. And if they try to go after, hey, it's all in the game. You got to charge that to the game. And for that, Cam Newton, I'm rooting for you, boy. But this time out, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> junior college i mean controversy has followed him his whole life and how he's moved in and, and some of it is his fault and some of it is not and it's okay but i want him to have success in new england so i'm rooting for him that's my guy so we're gonna root for him he's a he's really like i said he's matured and he's doing a great job on the field and he's done a great job off the field in a lot of ways so continue success to him with that before i let go before i let go before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys for tuning in. Want to thank Daniel Ewing. Want to thank E Rob 50. Want to thank Eddie Robinson. Want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. We want to continue to encourage you guys to call us 832 941 6614. Email us. Hit us up on the, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. And hit us up on Twitter or hit me up on Twitter at Wade's Word. All of those ways to get in touch with us. Coming up Thursday, we are going to have another episode and we'll have Why We Kneel and more interesting stuff for you. But until next time, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs>
This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.